to say thank you, especially to Lisa Cruz. I'm telling you what, she's looking at me like, what did I do? Lisa, aren't you glad that you have a worship director that does all this? Look at this. Matter of fact, Homer, uh, her husband works for a lighting company and uh, all this, and they have let us use these lights for the summer, I believe it is. So, so just a benefit of knowing the cruises, I guess it is. Let me tell you, this is a great day, festive day. Fourth of July is tomorrow. I hope you have some plans. I, I love the, the, the section over here wearing red, white, and blue. Um, and that wasn't spontaneous. They had planned for weeks to do that, so I'm glad. That, that shows patriotism. Uh, we have people that are uh, out of town this week celebrating. I know that some people are out of town, and uh, some of our people are at camp. Our youth are at camp, and they're having a great time. Um, Luke and Mark are there, and, and uh, their wives and stuff. And let me tell you, uh, uh, this weekend, Gwen and I uh, moved into another realm of grandparenting. Uh, we have kept... Heath and May's child, Malachi, our grandson overnight, but we have never kept Alexander, which is another grandson. And uh, can I just tell you this as grandpa? When we hold that little baby and he looks so sweet, about two in the morning you go, oh, I am so glad in a few hours I will be able to hand you back to mom. And then I'm going to spoil that boy like no tomorrow. <laughs> I've got drum sets and trumpets for Christmas planned and all those noisemakers. Oh, I love my grandbabies already. And I just can't wait to the, even they grow older and uh, all the love that their parents did to me when they were children. Now I need to go back to the communion time and sing Wayne Baker, okay? Get it right, all right. Well, today, again, is a special day because all of us that enjoy living in America and, you know, just singing that song, God Bless America, um, and, and talking about blessing her from above, speaks about how our nation has been founded upon godly principles. And, and this morning... You know, as we look forward to tomorrow and all the festivities of, you know, fireworks. And out, I live out in the country, so everybody that lives in the city comes out to my neighborhood to pop, you know, firecrackers. So about two in the morning, I had to do something else because it was just pow, pow, you know, right? So the young adults are coming over to our house tonight to shoot fireworks and all that fun. But, but don't lose sight again of just saying, God, thank you the benefits that you have given us that really we didn't earn anything by living or being born in the United States or being able to live in the United States. And that is a privilege of ours. And, and not only are we believers and get to enjoy all the goodness of God, but God has blessed us in living in a wonderful country. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. So be it, God. Thank you. Well, this week we have someone special that is speaking into our life. And I'm going to speak prophetically. Her name is Dr. Brianna Hawthorne. And the reason why I'm speaking prophetically is because she's in school right now. And she's looking to finish her degree. And uh, we're all going to know another doctor in our life at one moment. And uh, 
she's a doctor of theology, if, I, if she can clarify that in a minute. But uh, Brianna has been a good friend to Gwen and I, and uh, she is such a blessing to our church. Does things that a lot of times you don't know, but she even helps me, and, and she has helped me as secretary and other positions in the church. And I've asked her to come and speak today. Can you give her a hand as she comes? Thank y'all. Well, how is everyone? Good. I am always um, privileged and blessed to have the opportunity to speak with you guys. You've been so supportive. I have grown up with you. Uh, I'm 30 now. I am 30 years old, uh, turned 30 in February, and I do not understand why people are ashamed of that. I am just getting started. So I've been with you all since I was 14, and uh, those of you who have been here that long, and then the rest of you who have been here, and you've been kind to let me grow up. You've been kind in my immaturity. You've been kind with my unending excitement. I'm always always energized and excited and ready to go. And you've been kind with that, although some of you I know have been like, does she know how to sit down? So thank you for that. Um, this morning, I'm so excited. I'm so excited because the Lord has already set the stage for what he wants to speak into our lives. And I'm excited because he's here. And so I want to start a little differently than what we normally start. I'm just going to ask everyone to stand if you're able. If you are not able, that is okay. I'm, you're standing in your heart. But I'm asking you to stand to take a shift of position. I'm pausing because I want you to recognize that our king is in the room. Our king is in the room. And when he steps into the room, he does not step into the room and simply sit as an idle presence. He steps in with all of his power, with all of his majesty, in the fullness of his name, in the greatness of his presence, and in all of his power, our king is in the room. And he has something he wants to speak. And more than something he wants to say, he has works that he wants to do. So we're going to set the stage and we're going to just acknowledge the fact that our king is in the room. King Jesus, we honor you. We recognize that you are here. And we ask you to come and to do what you want to do. Fill this place with your majesty. Fill this house with your glory. May every soul be in awe at the mention of your name. May every soul become acutely aware of your presence, of your active presence in this room. And we ask you, Lord, that as you come, would you stretch out your hand to heal? And would signs and wonders be performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus? You come and you demonstrate your power. You come and you demonstrate your might. You come and you demonstrate the greatness of your name. This is for your kingdom. This is for your glory, not mine, not ours. It's for yours. So, Lord, come and do what you have in mind to do. Everyone said amen. You may be seated. So I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Uh, many of you know, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles. I'll be speaking from John 14, and I'll join you there in a moment. Uh, but many of you are aware that I just got back. It's five weeks yesterday. I just got back from Israel, and uh, it was absolutely phenomenal. Many of you have asked me about the trip, and I have been repeating myself for the last five weeks. I am not complaining about that. Uh, any opportunity that you give for me to speak about Israel, I will do it. And uh, it makes me look a little bit less obsessed if you ask me rather than I come and give it to you. I know my mom, bless her heart, she's so tired of hearing the word Israel spoken in our home. So thank you for asking me so that I can spread it to somebody else. 
But I want to share with you, uh, many of you have asked me, what was my favorite part? And by that, what a lot of you have meant was, what did you most enjoy seeing? The tomb, the grave, uh, the place where he was crucified, walking along the streets, the Galilee where he walked on the water. Um, that's what you've, you've kind of meant. And it sounds so cliche, but my answer truly is every bit of it. Every bit of it. I could not, I could not come up with a, a satisfactory answer. So what I've done is for some of you just kind of come up with something in the moment because it all qualifies. But if I were to tell you what my absolute favorite part of the trip was, it was in our last week and we spent that entire week in Jerusalem. Everything having to do with Jerusalem. It's not that anything spectacular happened in the city while we were there. It's the fact that God met me while we were there. And he began to move on my heart and give me such a love for Jerusalem. I can, I'm serious. There are times where I hear the name and tears come to my eyes. He has given me such a profound love for that city. And I cannot wait to go back. I did not want to leave. And I did not expect to feel that way. Having been gone for three weeks, I fully expected to go. That was a good length of time. Yay for the bucket list. I'm ready to go home. Let me tell everybody to go to Israel. That was not my experience. I cannot wait to go back. So I want to share with you um, what became the foundation of what I'm going to speak about today is while we were in Jerusalem, we, uh, some of our teachers, they teach out there pretty regularly. So they have friends and one of their friends names is Moshe. That's Moses in the Hebrew. And so we went to Moshe who is a Jewish individual. He wanted it to be very clear that he is an Orthodox Jew. He is not a Messianic Jew, which means he does not means he does not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That's just fine. That's not what we're talking about today. Moshe has a store in which he hosts Christians when they come to Israel. It's called the biblical gift shop. It's literally all gifts that have something to do with something biblical, which those of us who haven't been, I went in with this mindset, you kind of go, duh, but y'all, it is, it's not what you're expecting in the gift shops. It, it's just not, <laughs> can, can I just lay that for you? So you won't go like I went. It's just not, it, you're not going to go and see, um, Maybe what you're expecting to see in some of the gift shops, you're just not going to see it. It's different than what you're thinking. And I'll just leave that where that is. I struggled finding gifts to bring back to some of you guys. Um, but he has a biblical gift shop, and he hosts Christians in the shop. And he brings them in before they start shopping. He sets out a bunch of chairs. Very kind, very sweet man. Made such an impression on me. Um, he lets us ask Christians, ask any questions that they've ever wanted to ask a Jewish person. Um, I'm not a big question asker in a classroom setting. I'm actually not that talkative. Many of you don't believe that, but it's true. Um, <laughs> I do not appreciate the laughter. That just came from all y'all. It's true. But um, in a classroom setting, I'm a little bit more contemplative. You, My teachers, they didn't believe me, you know, in the first day of class. They say, describe yourself. I'm like, I talk. And they're like, you don't. I do. Um, I'm very, very contemplative in a classroom setting. So I don't, I don't, I'm not very inquisitive. I prefer to listen. I don't have a lot to say. Um, so I didn't ask him any questions. I just listened and he made uh, a statement that stuck with me. I can't tell you what question was asked of him, but the statement that he made stuck with me and became the basis for what the Holy Spirit would have me to bring to you today. He said, you Christians are very good at acknowledging the son, Jesus Christ. And if you're Pentecostal, like we are, you do very well connecting to the Holy Spirit. But by and large, you all have lost your connection to the Father. And as he began to speak, I, I kind of let that settle on me. He said, the thing that connects the two of us, Jew and Christian, is that we have the same Father. 
we have the same father. And he said, you're not here. I honor the fact that you're here because you're not here by accident. If you have stepped into the land of Israel, it's because you've received an invitation from your father. You are not here just to learn. You're not here just to say, yay, I made it. You're here because your father invited you. And he went on to say, if you pay attention to the land of Israel, you will look around and you will see the movements of God, the movements of your father all around. This individual, Moshe, he's written several books, and one of his books is on the prophecies of Scripture and how you can see them coming to pass in the land of Israel. So he said, open your eyes while you're here, and you'll see the activity of your father. What was striking to me about the nation of Israel is what is absent a lot of times in our churches. We would never say this, but this is how we operate. Israel knows a God who is present and active. They know a God who moves. And so as a result of that, they are constantly looking for the activity of the Father. They are constantly looking around to say, where is God? The most devout of, of Jews and the most non-devout of Jews alike are looking around for the activity of the father the nation of israel knows a god who's present and who's active while we who are christians a lot of times do not live aware of the activity of god we might say that he's here we might acknowledge and say yeah god's everywhere but if we were honest we do not often live aware of his presence and we cannot identify his activity so the question of our hearts becomes the exact question which Moshe brought out. Where's the father? What is he doing? How can he be seen? Where is he? And if I were to ask you that question in your life, where's the father? A lot of you would not be able to answer that question. And see, here's the thing. Christians and unbelievers alike are asking the same question. Where is God? Where is he in the earth? There's an, a person, I went to acting school as a younger person, and um, I met this guy, and he's a very outspoken individual. We're friends on Facebook. I've not corresponded with him in some time. But he is very outspoken about his hatred for the Christian faith. He was raised a Christian. I'm not sure what happened in his life. But now he identifies proudly as an atheist. And he is regularly posting that what he, does not, what he has a problem with within the Christian faith is that we are asked to believe in a God who refuses to demonstrate proof of his existence. And that right there is not true. It's never been true. If you look at the Old Testament, all you see is the activity of God. All you see is God revealing himself. He placed man in the garden, and he walked with them in the cool of the day. And when they sinned, he sent them out, but he had a plan. And he was active through the generations all the way up until the present day. But he's expressing something very key. Why is it that he believes with all of his heart that we're asked to believe in a God who doesn't demonstrate his activity, who doesn't demonstrate proof of his power. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that from the, the, the viewpoint and the question, where is God? If you've been with us, Pastor John's been talking about whose report will you believe? And I want to go to the report of Jesus. And a lot of times, again, we would shout for this. We will, we will rejoice. I promise when I say it, we're going to rejoice over it. However, many of us, we don't really believe it because if we believed it, we would be doing it. Because see, here's the thing. Faith without works is still dead. It's still dead. 
And a lot of times we think about faith without works because of the examples that are in that passage in James chapter 2, I believe it is, that we're only talking about feeding the hungry and clothing, you know, the poor and reaching out to the homeless. However, that is not what that scripture, that is not all that what that scripture is teaching. It is teaching that if we have a faith, that there should be a work corresponding with it. That if we have faith and there are no works, then it's dead and it's lifeless. I believe that God wants to resurrect some works in the house tonight. So we're going to look at John 14. I asked you to go there if you're there. We're looking at verse 8. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's letting him know that he's soon to leave. He's soon to be killed on the cross. And then he's going to no longer be with them. He says, you know the way to where I'm going. And they go on to say, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We're going to pick up. He says this, Lord, said Philip, this is verse 8, show us the Father. And that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this time and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. So Philip has brought out the cry of every heart. Every soul, believing and unbelieving alike, is asking, show us the Father. Show us God. Show us what he's doing. Show us what he's like. Show us what he's speaking. We are all crying out for the same thing. Where is God? Where is God in my wayward child's life? Where is God when I'm sick in my body? Where is God when there's not enough money to pay the bills? Where is God when I cannot get up in the morning for the pain that I feel? Where is God. He says, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. And Jesus touches on something very important. He says, to see me is to see the Father. Why? He says, the Father who lives in me does his works. So how is the Father seen? Through the works of Jesus. Through the works of Jesus. We don't have time today. I've thought about it several different ways to meditate on a couple of his works. But let me name a few. He caused the lame to walk. He caused the blind to see. He caused the deaf to hear. He caused the mute to be able to speak. He caused those who were tormented with demons to be made free. He caused those who had seizures to be made whole. He caused the woman who had a 12-year issue of blood. It dried up in an instant. These are the works that Jesus brought out. And he says, these works that I do, they are not my own. They are my father's works. He says, the words which I speak are not my father's, excuse me, are not my words. They are my father's words. So to hear me is to hear the father. So the answer to where is the father is found in Jesus. But now here we are in 2022. And Jesus is not with us. We know he's with us in spirit, but he is not physically present. Can you see him? It, can you see him? No, no, no. Can you see him with your physical eyes? No. Everyone, how now is the Father to be seen? Let's keep reading. Verse 12, Jesus says, truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. 
and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. He says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So now that Jesus is gone to the Father, how are his works to be seen? How, is the, how are the works of the Father to be seen? Through you and through me who believe. That is how the Father will be seen. There is no other answer. And so as I puzzled over this, I've heard this. I've, uh, this has been preached at a youth camp. Like I said, we shout. We get excited about this. We love this. Yes, God, greater works, greater works. But we are not stepping into it. And I don't mean occasionally. Jesus said, if, who, who, the one who believes in me will do what I'm doing. Here's the deal. He didn't do it every now and then. It wasn't hit or miss for Jesus. It wasn't, oh, you know, I don't feel like miracles today. I think I'm going to mind my business. I'm, I'm bored. I'm tired. I don't feel like you getting a healing. Talk about it tomorrow. He didn't do it like that. He lived it as a lifestyle. He was clothed over in power. People touched the hem of his garment and they were made free. He walked into the room and the demons recognized his presence and people were made free. He did it habitually. That was his lifestyle. So if we are not living that lifestyle, something is wrong. So I began to puzzle. I said, Lord, tell me what it is. You know, we can come up with so many different answers. We don't have enough faith. We don't know how to pray. You know, we get critical with each other. I can tell you right now why God's not showing up. It's because we're all in sin. Well, you know, maybe some of us, but that's probably really not it. You know, I, 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 I can tell you what there, he's not going to work through that, Pastor John. I don't like the way he looked at me last week, and he calls himself a man. We get critical. We can come up with so many different answers for why we're not living the life we want to go to God on this. And so I asked the Lord, Lord, tell me why. Tell me why if you said it, because he's not a liar. He is the truth. And again, whose report are you going to believe? Just because you haven't seen it in the church doesn't mean that Jesus lied. Doesn't mean he made it up. So if you said it, God, that the one who believes in you is going to do your works, why aren't we doing your works? And I believe the answer to that lies in, and you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it over you. But if you want to, feel free. Just write it down. John chapter 5, I believe, gives us the answer to this question. So right after this, what's happening is he has just healed a man on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees are upset. He's essentially broken the law. And so they're asking him, you know, why? What are you, what are you doing? Jesus says to them in verse 19, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing, and he will show him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. I believe the answer to why we are not living a lifestyle of doing the greater works that Jesus has is because we've not that has said that we are going to do is because we've not taken the same attitude that Jesus took. He said, the son is not able to do anything of himself. If we are honest, and especially in an independent nation like America, we live a life in Christianity a lot of times of half crucified and half independent. By that, what I mean is when we came to faith in Jesus Christ, we laid our lives down for him. We believe we were crucified in the same way that he was on the cross, dead. We have no rights. And when we were raised, Romans 5 says, we were raised to new life and we consider ourselves slaves 
to God in righteousness. We do not accept the position of a slave. We do not. We like to live half dependent on Jesus and half independent throughout the week. Now, we'd never say it. We'd never say, oh, I don't need you, Lord, to tell me what to say when I step into this conversation. I don't need you. I don't need you, Lord, to tell me how to spend my money this week. I don't need you to tell me what to say to her. I'm going to cuss her out. I don't need you. See, we'd never say that. But if we wake up in the morning and we started our day without spending time with Jesus, that is how we're walking. We are living our lives after ourselves. And see, we become content to turn on some music, some Christian worship music, on the way to work to content ourselves with a few minutes of spending time with God. And then we forget him the rest of the day. We come to church and our pastor lays out this wonderful banquet of word for us to eat and to chew on. We say amen. But when we leave, do we open our Bibles for the rest of the week? By and large, many of us would say no. And let's, go, let's take it a step further. We come to church. I'm speaking to the ministers in the room. I'm speaking to the worship team, of which I am a part, and I have done this. We come to church on Sunday having not spent time in his presence and think that we are going to be able to minister from a place of strength and power. See, we want to live a half-crucified life. But what Jesus said is, I am not able to do anything, anything on my own. We don't take that attitude. We want to do some things on our own. But Jesus said, I'm not able to do anything, anything, anything of my own, but only what I see my father doing. See, here's the thing. You can get by pretty well in your flesh in this life. You can. You can get by pretty well. You can make good money in the flesh. You can marry a decent individual in the flesh. You can raise halfway decent kids. In the flesh, you can have a church service that, man, I'm encouraged in the flesh. I'm not talking about sin flesh. I'm talking about what you can do of yourself independently of God. You can draw a crowd in the flesh. Barabbas did that, if you're familiar with Scripture. There are many things that you can do. You can do pretty well in the flesh, but let me tell you what you cannot do. You cannot see the sick healed. You cannot see the dead raised. You cannot raise spirit-filled children in the flesh. See, here's the thing. I don't have any kids yet. One day I will. I can probably raise pretty nice, decent kids in the flesh because I'm pretty nice and decent, if I do say so myself, uh, of myself. But what I cannot do, nice is not the standard. I don't want nice kids, and I don't want to be a nice young lady. I want to be empowered. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to speak and see some things come under submission to the name of Jesus. I'm not trying to do what my flesh can do. Y'all, I can get this degree in my flesh, but it's not about that. You can do all the things that you're doing in your flesh, but see, here's the deal. If you're content to live that way, you will only get what your flesh can produce. And it does not even begin to compare with what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. So here's the thing. We are not seeing these greater works because we are not submitted like we can be submitted, not like Jesus was submitted. We do not have the attitude of, I can do nothing of myself, we are trying to do some things in ourselves. And if we're honest, it's hit or miss. I was nice today. Yesterday, I fought someone. I was patient today. Yesterday, I cussed him out on Facebook. 
I was kind today and I was generous and I gave some money, but, you know, last week I stole some money. It's going to be hit or miss. You're going to live a weak Christian life at best if we do not lapse back into sin. So Jesus has presented to us the key here. He says, I'm not able to do anything on my own, but only what I see the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. In verse 17, he said, and we sang it, and that's why I said it's so amazing to see the Lord set the stage for what he wants to speak. Verse 17, Jesus says, my Father is still working, and I am working also. The works of God have not stopped. They have not stopped. But they have stopped with the regularity with which it is our heritage to operate in them. And so there's an invitation that is issued to you and to me today. We can continue to live the half-crucified life where sometimes we're, we're, we're dead and we're raised to new life with Christ. And then sometimes, you know what, I've climbed down off that cross and I'm going to do what I want to do today. Or we can step into the fullness of what Jesus has. And this is what the good news is. He says, you will do the works that I do because I go to the Father. Why is that significant? He goes on to later explain to his disciples, if I do not go to the Father, then the Holy Spirit will not come. Here's the deal. The reason that we are able to do the works of Jesus is because the Holy Spirit has been poured out. He has come. He is here. He is active on the earth. But a lot of times we do not live or walk filled with him. Those of us who have been filled, speaking of an Acts 2 experience where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples as they gathered and they spoke with new tongues and the thousands were added who believed that day. Those of us who have been filled, if we're honest, we're filled sometimes. Sometimes we're filled. But we are not pressing in to live an anointed, Holy Spirit-filled lifestyle. Though that, I'm speaking to those of us who have been filled. And then there are some here today who you'd say, I've not experienced that, but I want it. God's going to do it. He's going to do it. We're believing for that today. There are some of you in the room who have not, you, if you're honest, you do not live for God. You've not been interested in him. Maybe you've been in rebellion. Maybe you've just wanted to live your own life. And you're going, well, where is God? Where is he? I'm doing pretty, pretty well without him. I, I mean, I have a pretty decent job. He has more for you. He has more for you. So what I believe is that Jesus has issued us an invitation that we can step into today, right now, right here, to live the life that says, I will do nothing of my own, but only what I see the Father doing. I will speak only what I hear the Father saying, and we will step into exactly what Jesus said, and we will do the works that he does. Why? So that the Father might be glorified in the Son. So what I am, I'm so excited. Let me tell you why I'm excited. Because I believe because I believe. I really could stop the sentence right there. I could just say because I believe. But I'm excited because some of you have come in sick today. And you know you've been asking God for a miracle in your body. I believe that you're going to get it today. There are some of you who have very troubled relationships and you need to see God move. I believe there's going to be reconciliation. There are some of you who have come in here and if you're honest, you don't like your wife. You don't like your husband. And God is going to sustain your marriage. He's going to heal it. There are some of you who are tortured. I stepped out of my shoe. I'm so excited. There are some of you who are tortured. I don't need them. They <laughs> doesn't want to stay on. I'm not going to make it. It's holy ground up here. Pastor John's coming undone right now. Um, 
There are some of you who are tortured in your mind. You can't sleep at night. You don't have peace. You are tormented. God is going to make you free, and he's going to give you peace. There are someone. There is someone in the room who feels abandoned, who feels forgotten. He places the solitary in families. See, the thing is, is it's time now. God said this to me three or four months ago, and I didn't get it. He said to me, the time for the greater works is now. It is now. It is not tomorrow. It is not next week. It is now. The time for the greater works is now. God has a work. God has a work that he wants to do. And he wants to do it through you and through me. So let's let him. Okay? This is what we're going to do a little differently. I'm going to ask everyone to stand as I um, step into my shoes. Everybody in this room, I believe, falls into, you know, one of three categories. We're just going to make it very simple. There are those of us who we know we have faith in Jesus, but if we're honest, we try to live half independent. We do not have the attitude of I can do nothing of myself. We've tried to live independently of the Lord and tried to work the works of Jesus in the flesh. I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to surrender and submit our lives to Jesus and to his work. Then there are those of you who would say, I don't even know the Lord, but I want to know this God that you talk about who has compassion on hundreds, who has forgiveness for sins, who has power for healing in my body, who has power to set me free. We're going to pray for you, and you're going to welcome to the family in a moment. And then there are those who you desperately need to see God show up in your life. You desperately need him to show up in your life. You need a healing in your body. You need to be set free in your mind. You need a miracle in your finances. We are going to pray for you, and you are going to receive. Welcome to a place where the works of God will abound. So I'm just going to ask everyone, I'm going to pray over you, but I'm going to ask you to lift your voices because you know what you need from the Lord. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Lord, right now we come before you so grateful that yours is the name which is above every other name. And for those of us, God, who have tried to live independently of you, we repent and we take on the attitude of Jesus. Your word says put on the Lord Jesus. Part of putting him on is to put on his attitudes, his ideals, his beliefs, and the stance with which he lived his life was I will not do anything of myself. I will not speak of myself. I will not go where I want to go. I will not do what I want to do. I will only do what the Father has for me to do. I will only speak what the Father has for me to speak. And so, Lord, we say right now, that is us. We confess that before you, that we only want to do what you are telling us to do. We only want to speak what you are telling us to speak. Come on, y'all, lift your voices. I can, I can pray over you all day long, but you know what you need from the Lord. God, we say to you, we, we want to do the works of Jesus. Give us the ability. We choose to confess faith in your name, that those who believe in you, Lord, will do the works that you are doing, and we step into that. We step into that right now. God, those of us who do not know you, but want to know you right now, we lift up our lives to you and say, come, come into our lives. Be the Lord of our lives. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit, God, and may we from this moment forward live for you. Thank you for dying for our sins, and thank you for being resurrected to new life. Thank 
thank you for resurrecting us with Christ, that we might be new creations, that we might walk a new way. Thank you, Lord, for the numbers that just got saved. And now I pray for those who have needs. God, I pray that you would come, that you would heal bodies in the room, that you would set people free in the room, that you would heal relationships in the room, that you would restore broken souls in the room, that you would be near to the brokenhearted and save the ones that are crushed in spirit. God, that those who are seeking for answers from you would receive them, that wisdom would be poured out, that the Holy Spirit would come and he would baptize every person afresh. God, I pray a fresh fire and a fresh anointing fall over every person under the sound of my voice. We ask you to come. We ask you to come have your way. And now, Lord, as the worship team comes back up, I say in the presence of every person, I have spoken obediently what you had for me to speak. Now, would you come and confirm your word? Would you stretch out your hand to heal while signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus? Amen. If you have a need in the room, I'm going to ask you. We're going to do something a little differently than what yes. we, we do. A lot of times we have our um, prayer team come up and pray for you. But, guys, I just prayed for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon you. The ministry of the believers is such that it does not just rest on those of us who are called to hold a microphone or called to play an instrument or called to sing a song. The ministry of the believers is you. It's you. It's you. It's you. Sorry. It is you. So what I'm going to ask is if you have a need, a need in your body, physical for healing, if you have a financial need, if you have a relational need, if you have something you want God to do for you, maybe you just want to be baptized afresh in the spirit. Maybe you say, God, I want to I want to do the works of Jesus. I'm going to ask you to come forward and just make this place your place to worship. And we're going to move around. If you feel led to come up and pray for somebody that you see, please do so. The gifts of the spirit are going to flow in this place. You may be given a word of knowledge. You may be given a word of healing. God may want to work a miracle through you. He might want to do a healing through you. It's not just those of us who wear the title of pastor, deacon, apostle, bishop, teacher. It is you. It is you. The one who believes in me will do the works that I do. So I'm not going to beg. You know what you need. I'm not going to pressure you. If you're able to come forward, come make this place a place of worship. Come forward and let the Lord heal you. Come forward and let him give you the answers that you're seeking. Come forward and just kneel at his feet and make this place your altar. Make it a place of praise. Make it a place where miracles can be bestowed. And if you are not able to physically come up, but you have a, you, maybe you have a need, just raise your hand. And those who are around, I ask you to pray. I'm asking for someone to pray over Mr. Jim. We want to see you healed in Jesus' name. We're believing for that for you. I've been praying for you. I was praying for you in Israel. I believe God's going to meet you today. I do. So we're just going to pray over Mr. Jim. We want to pray over Miss Donna. We want to pray over her that there's healing that comes forward. So if you're gathered near her, I already see it happening. Would you lay your hands on her? Would you pray the prayer of faith that she might be made well? And I'm going to ask Pastor John, will you please stand in for Miss Paula? Uh, if you know Miss Paula, uh, she is a person. No, Miss Gloria says she wants to stand in for Miss Paula. Um, Miss Paula is a lady who has gone to our church. She's not been with us in some time. And she's had some sicknesses. She shared with us that her liver ruptured and that she's not doing well. And she has asked for prayer. Miss Gloria is going to stand in and we're going to believe that God is going to heal her. And if you have someone who's not here in the room that you want to stand on their behalf, feel free to do so. Guys, the Lord is here. He's going to answer. I ask you to step out in faith. And I'm asking you to step out because sometimes that step is the faith that you need to receive. Jesus said, according to your faith, it be d uh, done unto you as you are believing this morning.
it, you know, as I was just listening and, and agreeing and just the wonderful result of allowing ourselves to be dependent upon God in, in a culture on a day that we celebrate independence, that as believers, we celebrate dependence upon our God. And allowing God to work in our life gives us the freedom that we desire. And this morning, as you leave here, you know what is amazing is sometimes you can get a person out of slavery, but the slavery is still inside of them. And it, it takes time to learn. And, and this morning, as you leave this place, some of you have made a decision for Christ. Some of you have walked by faith and accepted your healing. Even though right now you might not see it uh, manifest in your body, you're saying, I believe. And we're allowing the recovery time to have a process that God works in your life. This morning, as you leave, do not allow your faith to stop here, to be left here in this building. But you carry your faith with you. Up from his report of praying for a need in a family's life that needed a house. And this week, a house was provided. In, in a time that it is a seller's market, and everybody, as you know, is saying, what is the bid? I'll pay more. This family that's been praying paid less. Now, let me tell you, we are living in the, the goodness of God. We're seeing things happen. I, I want to ask you, open up your eyes and to see God working in the midst of us. That I need you to exhibit God. And I know you need me to exhibit God. And so that we can again see the goodness of God right now. That we can act as children of God. Father, today as we leave this place, we do not leave you. We take you with us. You live within us. God, you did not choose us to leave us now. You chose us to live in us. Father, there's no circumstance that can come upon us that we're not overcome because you are Everybody in agreement today said, let's say it again, amen.